This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 558, a conversation with Brian Cronin. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast, episode 558. It's my conversation with Brian Cronin. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. Uh, thanks for downloading the episode. Uh, today I speak with Brian Cronin of CBR fame to uh, talk about, first of all, his upcoming new book, his uh, last two books, as well as the work he's done at CBR over the last, God, I think he said, what, 14 years or something? So it's been a long time. Uh, I want to thank some people from the Marvel Masterworks Forum for submitting questions, including Strider Tag, um, let's see, Silverag, Wawuka, Wakuya, I think I feel like people just choose names just so I can't pronounce them. Uh, so thank you for submitting questions. Um, you can always email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. Like the show on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and also listen to us on Stitcher. Uh, without further ado, let's jump right into the episode with Brian Cronin. Uh, the next episode, the non-reviews episode, episode 560, will be up a couple days later than normal just because uh, I'm away on vacation and haven't recorded it yet. So it'll probably go up on the Sunday the 18th or so. Sit back and enjoy the conversation with Brian Cronin. Brian, welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. How are you today? Excellent. Thanks for having me. I'm, well, I'm very excited to have you on. I've been reading your work for a long time, and this is a real thrill to be able to actually chat with you. Glad to be here. So, I, I want before, um, well, usually I, I like to go through and kind of figure out well, what your you know original uh, interaction with comics was, but before I get to that, I, I, I only noticed this today, and maybe I'm coming late to the train. I didn't realize you have a new X-Men book coming out next month. Um, yes, it's fairly, I haven't written too much about it online, so. Okay, so, we're, I mean, so it's by Triumph Books, and when I, when I saw the picture of it, we'll get into it in a second, but I was like, oh, like, Mark Tanakio did one for Spider-Man last year, I didn't expect Triumph already to do another one, but I'm excited that you're the one putting together the X-Men one. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, Mark, it's, it's funny, I don't, as far as I know, it was coincidence, <laughs> But it was interesting because I obviously I talked with Mark about his Spider-Man book and helped you know promote that a little bit, and then a few weeks later I got an email about interest in me doing an X-Men one. Oh wow, that is a weird happenstance. That, that worked out well, I guess. Yeah. For sure. No, um, what was it like putting together? So for those who don't know, what's the full title of your book? about the X-Men that you should know, uh, know or do before you die. Okay, which is popular. I mean, Triumph does a lot of these, but now it looks like they're moving more into pop culture. Right. They've been doing sports for many years. Absolutely. And I, I, now they've been doing more pop culture. So wh- what was what was it like getting that, getting that kind of assignment? Was, was it daunting? Was it exciting? Like, what was it like to kind of jump into that project? I guess you could say it was exciting. Um... Honestly, what it struck me about it was that it's just tailor-made for the sort of things I write about already. So. Mm, that's true. <laughs> it's like they did their research before they contacted you. <laughs> so, so what can you what can you tease about the book, or what was you know? Were there any like things that you were surprised about? I mean, you're obviously you're always doing research into into a lot of kind of minutia about comics. Was was there still a surprise for you that you found in the in the research for the book, or was it mostly culling stuff that you already knew and kind of putting together this tapestry? It's funny. I, I guess initially they asked for you know a sample chapter to see if we're on the same page, and the sample chapter was almost purely just I could have just written that right on the spot. 
But it is interesting. The more you get into it, there's always going to be something interesting. For instance, I actually had them have to go back in and edit after I submitted the, the book because I found out something new about the X-Men that I did not know when I wrote the book. And it had a cha- it changed a couple of the chapters. Oh, wow. That's kind of crazy that that can still happen. I mean, you, you think you know something and then something comes along that still manages to change all that. I've been noticing that for, you know, I guess like 12 years now. There's always something interesting out there. Well, it's interesting, too, because for a lot of people, when we discover these new things, it's because of you. Like, you're one of, I would say, like, you're, for me, like, definitely one of my favorite, uh, you know, kind of writers who write about comics. uh, Because you always find something new and exciting, and you somehow always find a fresh new angle, and your comic book legends revealed has always been, like, fascinating. So, the fact that you can still be surprised by something, I mean, you, you get to then pass that along to me as a reader, and I'm always excited about that. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think what's... I guess if I had to pick out a, a reason why if I that my work comes off to people is that, generally speaking, if I'm excited about it, I imagine there's people out there who also say the same thing and go, oh, that is interesting. How do you maintain your enthusiasm? Because, I mean, it comes across in your work, but that, you know, can't always be easy. Uh, so how do you keep yourself invested in and really engaged? It's funny, you, you know, you say that it, quote-unquote, can't be that easy, and and yet I've never actually had a problem with it. <laughs> I was just thinking the other day, honestly, I was sitting down reading, what was I reading? It was reading, I was catching up on some title, uh, reading, God, what was it? I think it was Black Bolt, I was catching up on Black Bolt. Okay. And great series from Marvel, really, really well done, and I was just striking that I thinking, huh, I've been reading comic books for a long time, and yet I'm not tired of them. <laughs> that's that's good. <laughs> but I, I agree with you. It is definitely good. Yeah. It's, 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 you always hear people, always people, You so often you always, come, someone says, oh, I get bored about blank. I've been around it blank for so long, how could I still find the enthusiasm for it? And yet, and I always feel that eventually that's gonna have to happen, and yet Hasn't happened yet. I I agree with you because I mean it's interesting because there's there's so many different types of books being published now, especially that you can you can find something that still manages to surprise you in some way. Um, I mean whether it be you know the, the standard superhero tights or if it's something else like there's always still something that you can kind of be like whoa that was really good and that kind of reaffirms your love of the medium. I mean I recently finished the uh, I guess the last issue of the um, what is it. And I forget her name, but the Gwenpool book. And that issue floored me. And I was like, "That this is different. This isn't... The whole series was different, but it was just like, this, this is why I read comics. This is to read something that's different and tries to do new things and isn't just going to be the standard thing, even though, I mean, it had, that book almost had no right to be as good as it was. Yeah, no, that was a fun book. Yeah, that's t- totally true. There's always a... The next, it's funny. It's, I always think about this in terms of uh, baseball games, where... Every baseball game you go to has the chance of having something you've never seen before. Hmm. Very true. I know a lot of people, if you're not into baseball, I, I, then I, I see why people would not even care about that. But if you like baseball, every game has the chance that you're going to see some sort of play, something's going to happen that you've never seen before. And in a lot of ways, comic books are like that too. There's always a chance that that next comic book 
it's going to show you something that you've never seen before. So what was it about comics that first kind of brought you in, and when did you first become a fan? Was it when you were still very young? Was it a little later on? What, what was that initial kind of hook? It was, it was fairly young. I guess not... I guess I, my, my mother was a, um, a children's librarian, so I was reading a lot very young. But not so much comic books. That, that came a little bit later. I guess probably around the sixth grade. Okay. And I think like a good deal of, I think, of other fans that when you see, especially longtime fans who really get into it, there's that appeal of the shared universe, the shared history that this has gone on for X amount of years and now you're getting in on it. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, leads to, that leads to, I mean, Stan Lee, what he is, one of the things he was most um, innovative about was the way that he turned Marvel Comics into something where if you were a fan of Amazing Spider-Man, you would feel like you're quote-unquote missing out by not knowing what was going on in Iron Man and Fantastic Four, and soon you are a quote-unquote Marvel zombie. <laughs> And I think in a lot of ways, comic fandom brings that out in people, the idea of you want to know everything. It's true. More than any other medium that I can really think of, because nothing else kind of syncs up that way. Yeah, no, definitely not. I guess the closest is, I mean, you have some, some of these quote-unquote franchise, like if you're a Star Wars fan, you want to, you, if you're really into it, you want to catch the TV shows, the cartoons, the movie, you know, mm-hmm. all the tie-in novels, stuff like that. For sure. Actually, I remember even when I was younger when uh, when Kevin Smith was doing his New Jersey movies, the fact that they all kind of had a shared continuity, that was kind of a big deal. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And very innovative for its time, because, I mean, that wasn't something being done in the, in the 90s. Like, that was kind of unheard of. So, at what point, so you, you, you become a fan, at what point does it, do you start writing about comics? Like, how does that kind of take, take shape? And how does that start, you know, snowballing and becoming a thing that you're that you're doing? Um, I guess a little bit. And I mean, as soon as there was uh, message boards for comic books, <laughs> I was posting. On them. Like really? 1992, I was posting in message boards and stuff like that. <laughs> it's a, it's amusing. Sometimes, occasionally, every once in a while. I'll get contacted from someone who knew me, you know, God, is that 26 years ago now? Oh, wow. Saying, oh, hey, I remember you from the blah, blah, blah message board. <laughs> and usually I, usually I will remember them, and it's, it's kind of fun, because it's like, oh, yeah, hey, we have known each other for 26 years of internet life. There you go. <laughs> so when did, when, did, when did that, so that initially kind of being involved in that, element of online fandom at its kind of nascent era how did how did that eventually become you becoming a comic book journalist i guess uh after years uh once we got involved in cbr around 2002 just it was something i was doing during my um i was doing a summer internship and it was one of those government jobs where they had nothing for us really to do most of the time. <laughs> so I ended up just 
browsing the CBR message boards. I hadn't been really that involved in message boards since like the, the mid '90s, but I got involved in CBR pretty quickly. And sort of like as I said about comics, once I go in on something, I go in pretty deep, I guess. <laughs> and within a few weeks, I was already a, a moderator on their boards. Wow! Didn't and long. <laughs> after a couple of years of that, a few. Back around 04-ish, when it seemed every third comic book uh, person online had their own comic book blog, <laughs> uh, I decided to, to create a comic book blog with a couple of friends of mine from the CBR message boards. When, and that was what Comics Should Be Good was. What? Um, how did you guys originally kind of develop the, the features that, would, you know, that you guys would kind of focus on? Like, how did that, how did that kind of where did that outgrowth come from? I'm always interested because you have, I mean, if people who follow your work now, you have a lot of, you know, very specific kind of features that you, that you come back to and you spotlight and you do different types of things. What was kind of the earliest genesis of that? And how did you kind of figure out what you wanted to explore and what you wanted to focus on and how to set yourself apart? It's actually kind of interesting. I guess pr- pretty quickly, I guess we, we did start to stand out a little bit, in part because, I guess you could say, of my commitment to it. As you see with a lot of these comic book blogs, especially back then, you started and then within a couple of weeks, you stop posting on it. Mm-hmm. And people grow tired of you and they move on. However, I was pretty committed to it. And so we were doing that for about a while when I came up with the first idea for what became you know, Comic Book Legends Revealed. And once you had one feature, it just made sense to come up with other ideas. With Comic Book Legends Revealed, so I mean, that, I mean, obviously that kind of spawned your book. So what about that do you think connects so much with people? And how are we able to keep, keep finding stuff? I mean, it's, it's one of those things where I guess when, you come up, when I came up with the idea, I remember thinking, huh. That is interesting, isn't it? <laughs> and and pretty quickly, as soon as I did the first column, people responded very well to it. So it was like, okay, let's keep doing this. When I started it, I had a little notebook uh, with me, little tiny, not you know, fit in your pocket notebook. And I sat down and I wrote down like thirty ideas for columns. And as you know, remember, I do like three for every column. So that's mm-hmm. that was enough for, say, ten, ten installments of the of the piece. And I thought, okay, I guess I'll do ten of these. <laughs> Once these ideas run out, I guess that's it. I've, I've done ten, and hey, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. But then, sure enough, you start writing them, and then people start sending... Obviously, people sending in suggestions is... More or less, that would be the quote-unquote lifeblood of the column. Mm -hmm. Not that it couldn't go on without people sending in. I mean, I do plenty of these without people sending in ideas. But that's always, I mean, that's certainly something you like to get because obviously it's a lot easier when you know at least one person out there is interested in in the topic. 
as as these have progressed, and obviously, like you've you've over the years, I mean, you've been around a while now, so people know you. What is it like? Do you still get that kind of thrill when you have in your network of people you're able to actually go to these professionals and kind of verify, you know, some of these legends directly from the source? Like, what's that? I mean, that's pretty cool that you actually get to talk to some of these people to verify if the story is really real about them. Yeah, it was interesting. I guess early on, when I was first starting doing, like I said, comic blogging was, it, it had been around certainly for years, but not, it wasn't that common. So it was novel enough for somebody to write to you from a comic book blog <laughs> for a question. It's, and so people are glad, you know, a lot of people are glad to help. And so... Also, it was interesting, since I was at CBR as a moderator for, you know, a few years at that point, I had come up with an idea for CBR back when CBR had its own chat room mm-hmm. of doing creator chats for the site. And so I had some contacts from that. Which, uh, which of the contacts you've made over the years would uh, young Brian Cronin be most excited about? And honestly, I would say all of them. There's, there's so many. <laughs> there's so many of them when you look back. Honestly, just the other day, I had uh, I came across a copy of my last book, uh, Why Does Batman Carry Shark Repellent, mm-hmm. in which comic book creators contributed lists for the book for me. And I was... Um, I forget why I had it out. I, I think I was talking about it with someone. And... I was flipping through the book and I, I had not read it. I haven't read it in you know a while, and I went through. I was like, "Oh wow, that's right. He did do a list for my book. Oh, that was really cool." <laughs> and a couple of times I, I saw that. I was like, "Oh right, yeah." Like, uh, "Oh, Scotty Young, right? Scotty Young did do a list. That's very cool." <laughs> that's awesome. At at what point did you start branching out from just the comic book legends into the other media? Because that's obviously, I I feel like that's relatively recent, but when I say relatively recent, it could have been like five years. I don't have any concept of time anymore, but where did that that outgrowth kind of come from to not just do comics, but also do other culture? Well, that, when you say time, it definitely comes, time has lost all meaning when it comes to these articles. (laughs) Because I, I think, oh, that's right, I did an article about this a uh, couple years ago. And I was like, oh, no, that was ten years ago. <laughs> so when I did the first book, uh, What Superman is Spy and Other Comic Book Legends Revealed, that's when I decided I should branch out and have the, the movie legends, the sports legends, the TV legends as well. And that, so that's, God, it's about nine years now. I guess so, wow. Yeah, time really does lose all meaning and... Just flies by, doesn't it? It really does. Now, what was the process of putting together the first book? First book was interesting in the sense that it needed to be about half new, so that was kind of daunting coming out of it when you, knowing that you had to. It's hard enough, to, you know, to come up with three a, a week. Now suddenly it's sixty-five. <laughs> And, and 65, it, can't, it has to be 65 interesting enough that you want to put them into a book. But not so, you also don't want to feel like a jerk that you're missing out for it on your own column. Mm-hmm. 
luckily, what it actually what it came out to be is this is a it's a little I guess it's a little fascinating dichotomy between a broader audience for a book and a more specialized audience for a comic book website column is that there would be a few articles that a few legends that I did for the book that I would think would be too broad for the column and that worked out perfectly hmm. for instance that Jean Grey wasn't originally supposed to die in Dark Phoenix Saga I would feel kind of dumb doing that as a comic book legend for the column hmm. but for a broader audience for a book that's not one thing I have noticed is whenever you strikes you Oh, everyone knows that. <laughs> it, you're usually so far off. Yeah, no, I, I, there, I, yeah, absolutely. There have been times not in the last few years where uh, something comic book related, and I kind of said, "Well, everyone knows that." And then this one guy was like, "No, I didn't know that." I'm like, "Really? Like how?" But it does happen. And so that's where the book was good because a book audience is not going to know all the various comic book minutia that we all have gleaned in our memories for decades <laughs> like knowing that Jean Grey wasn't supposed to die in the Dark Phoenix saga is something that pretty much you know so many fans are it's like ingrained in our souls <laughs> and yet to an outside audience it really isn't true how did you settle on the name for the book we went through uh just basically went through the legends that I had submitted and just went through and sounded, went through each one and seeing, sounded how, you know, how it came off. And that one sounded catchy. <laughs> and I guess that leads into the question about the second book, which it's interesting that they both have DC characters as uh, the main names. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I guess once we established that the why, uh, why, was, you know, why was Superman a spy, question mark, we figured the next book might as well have a question in the title as well. What, uh, what when putting together the second book? So obviously it, it feels a little different because now you have lists and you've incorporated new elements. Um, again, what was what was the process of kind of putting that together? And did you make a conscious effort, kind of going in that I want to do it similar, but I want it to be different? Um, definitely, in the sense that the first book did well, and I mean enough that they wanted me to do another book. But <laughs> it's amusing they almost they they thought to a certain extent that it seemed like you really had to already be interested in the topic before you, you picked the book up. Hmm. And if you were, then you liked the book. But they wanted something a little broader, and this that, that format really fit that. Just look at the covers. Look at the difference in the covers. Uh, both very cool covers, but the second book is definitely meant more as a... Um, general audience hmm. yeah I, I can see that that makes sense so the obvious question is is there going to be a third book well right there's we're doing a book that's what we talked before right well yeah but I mean that that's specifically X-Men it's not as much not you're right it's a new book from you but for those who are kind of following these kind of you know comic book legends reveal style like books you know, the X-Men book isn't really, doesn't feel as much like a sequel, or in the same way. Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe when I I read it, I'll be like, no, this is a sequel. This is great. I 
it's a lot of interesting comic book information, just like the, <laughs> I think the first two. True. In general, what was it like working for Triumph to get back to the third book? Oh, it was great. They gave me, um, I mean, they were amazing. They were very easy to deal with. At the same token, at the same token, this was, I think they knew what to expect from me as well. So it was a very smooth situation. Okay. Uh, I, I have some listener questions I wanted to uh, run by you here. Um, the first up, um, we have a, a listener who wanted to say that, uh, first of all, he wants to thank you a lot for the Top 100 Comic Book Runs feature that you do every few years. Uh, he said that most of what he buys comes from the list, and uh, his, his question was, uh, whose idea was it to do, the, do it the first time? Uh, well, it, it all started, the first one I did was a cr- top creators. You know what? I think it, it probably came from um, the CBR message boards. I think we had done similar things where just CBR message board people would vote on it. Okay. And so I thought, oh, let's do a creators one on the blog, which has obviously a outside just the 50, 60 people on the message board. <laughs> and that went over well. So then I decided, okay, you can't, you don't want to do that same topic every year. So I came up with the next year was so it was creators the first year. Then the next year was characters, top one hundred Marvel and DC characters. Mm-hmm. Then the next year was top one hundred of storylines, and then runs was the, or was it the other way or whatever? It was those four. What uh, and God, I've been doing them now. I guess you're right, like twelve years now. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. So, what what surprises? Did, like, what surprises do you guys still get from that? Like, obviously, it's a big endeavor to kind of do that. But um, is it fun just to kind of see what changes, kind of you know, year over year? It's almost like up doing an updated AFI type list, and you know, people want to kind of see where their favorites rack, you know, kind of stack up now. What is that like as the person kind of overseeing it and putting it together? Oh, that's definitely, it's it's so much fun in that regard, in the sense that I usually, it's probably not the smartest way to do it, but I usually wait until all the votes are in before I actually sit down and count them all, because that way I'm surprised, I get to be surprised at what the results are. Mm. Now, do you, and, do you vote on these as well? Um, I, at one point early on, I would consider my votes as tiebreakers. Okay. But then I stopped doing that. <laughs> no, no reason. More just probably just forgot. Which, uh, which, um, I just want to get back for a second with the idea of you know the the many different features that you that you work on and that you put together. Uh, which one is the most? I mean, you obviously enjoy doing them all. Otherwise, you wouldn't be doing them. But which is kind of the the most labor of love for you? Um. Labor and love in the sense that it's the one that you do only because it interests you. Uh, a little bit, but like the one that like you get the most out of yourself. Like, like the way I feel. Like I do this podcast. I enjoy it. I know I don't have a huge audience, but for me, I get to talk to comic creators. That's a lot of fun. So I, I almost don't care if anyone listens because I get to do something for me. So it's that kind of thing where like you enjoy it. You know, people are going to like it, but if no one read it, you wouldn't care because you got to do. This is a feature that you do for for you before it's anyone else. I guess in that regard, I guess maybe that's the good fortune with what I write in the sense that 
the, most of these articles I write are because they interest me to begin with. True. So, <laughs> if it wasn't, it, I mean, perhaps, I don't know, perhaps it's egotistical or whatever to say, but so many of the articles that, that I write, if I hadn't written them, I'd be like, oh, I'd like to read that. <laughs> That's a pretty good guide as a writer, then. You know, write what you would want to read yourself, right? Like, oh, man, this guy... This this is right up my alley. <laughs> so this is a listener question, uh, which was, uh, what would be your top ten comic book runs, to put you on the spot? Uh, top ten runs. So, okay, so runs was... Uh, runs was... Uh, yeah, runs was two... Yeah, okay, runs is the third. So storylines is the one that just was just end of last year. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. So runs. So runs is okay. Top runs, I guess. In no particular order, I guess I would put. Uh, I guess given Demodis Justice League mm-hmm. is up there. Lee Kirby or Kirby Lee. Sorry, that's how I usually credit him. Kirby Lee, <laughs> Fantastic Four. Dicko Lee, Amazing Spider-Man. Um. Jeez. That's the crazy part of these run things is there's so many good ones out there to choose from. Oh, for sure. And I, I would uh, imagine... I guess we'll go Burn Claremont X-Men. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's four? Uh, so six more. <laughs> Let's see. If you, five five is good. Ten is asking Five is good. Okay. <laughs> Let's go more Swamp Thing. Ooh, okay. That's a good, that's a good list. <laughs> Um, so this, this, we have, uh, sorry, another listener, he actually had no question, he just wanted to say, your columns have been a huge resource and a source of ideas for his binding projects, your columns have been consistently entertaining, thoughtful, informative, he has no question, but just a huge thank you. Oh, thank you, you're welcome, welcome, thank, thank you for the comment, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> actually, there, there's a bunch of people who just wanted to say thank you for all the amazing work you've done. Which I definitely, uh, uh, I, I would second that, third that, fourth that. Because, again, uh, your work is, you know, you're, you're, whenever I see that something new has been posted on CBR from you, I'm always like, yep, I'm, li- I'm reading that right now. Whatever important work I was doing, put that aside. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just put it away a couple hours if you want to read the Hulk one. <laughs> yeah, so, so you put together a new Hulk article today, which, I mean, this episode will be going out, I guess, two, two or three days after the article's gone up. So, But uh, you, you mentioned online that, you know, that you really kind of put a lot of effort into this and putting in an article that no one asked for, but you fell in love with it. What was it about it that really made you go as as deep as you did? Oh, so this actually, they, someone, asked, um, an editor did ask me to write this oh, one. Sorry. It's just, well, you know what I'm, just yeah. <laughs> it's just that I just, they probably were not expecting it to be this in-depth, that's all. Yes. <laughs> so, so what you was really, I don't think they were really expecting that, uh, well, in that one issue... Hulk had the personality of Banner, and this other issue he did not. <laughs> well, is it really because you're angling for it to write the next, uh, you know, the next Triumph book about the Hulk? Is that really what this is? That's right. A hundred things that Hulk fans should know and do to die is that they should know that he went through lots of different incarnations over the years. <laughs> uh, the best you- one, oh, I love the early one. Uh, the first, it's on the first page where er, clearly early on in Incredible Hulk, Lee. And Kirby and then Dicko, they clearly, every other issue, they were coming up with a new take on the Hulk. 
It's like they were just bored. Every every other issue was a, a new, completely different angle in every other issue. It, it gets the, the sixth issue, and this is what I featured there, is Banner. Uh, the, they try to turn back the Banner, but the head doesn't change. So it's Banner's head on Hulk's body. <laughs> and luckily, and luckily, of course, this is normal. Everyone does this. Banner had a full latex mask of the Hulk out laying around his lab. Because <laughs> that's just that's just science. Yeah, and, obviously. And the Hulk was managed to able to put that latex mask on, so he looks like the Hulk. I love the sixties. Like this, this I remember um, one of the first Superman comics I ever read was uh, Superman and the Flash. They wake up and they're in each other's like clothes, uh, but they don't remember who they are or how they got there. And so, like, I, I believe Barry um, is in a Superman costume, but it, and he's like, "Oh, I'm blonde," but Superman's you know dark haired, and he like looks into the cape and he finds like Clark Kent's clothes in the cape, and so like he goes to Metropolis and he puts on all sorts of makeup so he looks like Clark Kent now, and no one notices. It's like, that's amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> that's going to happen. Like, I, I love, I mean, I, I first read that as a kid, so I thought that was cool. But now I read it, I'm like, man, the, the 60s were wonky. Like, weird stuff happens all the time, and that was just the way it was. Well, what's, what's great about the Marvel from the, the 60s, obviously, with the Marvel method, is that the artist will sometimes throw something in there, and then Stan Lee just has to explain it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, one of my favorites is the is from Doctor Doom's first appearance when the FF go back in time, and luckily they run into someone who has a big who's carrying a big bundle of pirate clothes, <laughs> and luckily you know the clothes fit the giant thing you know thing's not exactly a small guy but the clothes just it just happens to be in his size. That's hilarious. Um, so Brian, I. I, uh, I won't keep you much longer, but um, what what else can you kind of uh, – are you working on some new features that you would like to kind of inject into your, your already very full roster or any old favorites that might come back? Well, I mean, I, I, I think that – I mean, I've come up with some, some new features recently, but mm-hmm. mostly, we're, mostly it's the, the tried and true stuff that – it is interesting when I see something and I realize, oh, I haven't heard about that in, and then and we talk about time passing. Mm-hmm. I did one, I did one column recently where I was like, oh, I wonder when's the last time I did an uh, uh, entry in this feature, and it was like four years ago. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so did I guess, not think it had been that long. How how do you make sure that the, that you, the features are still coming relatively regular and that that doesn't happen, or is it just kind of what what strikes you? Like, how do you because you as you as you know, well, obviously because it's your work, you have a lot of features that you've done. How do you kind of keep them all going? Well, I mean, typically you pick things that there are broad enough that you can keep doing them, mm-hmm. that you can keep uh, keep up on them. Uh, you like to keep the topics, and what, what's great about in comics in particular, I was I was thinking this when I was wondering about the about exactly what you say about the is there is there a point when you run out of things to write about? But then you realize that every week there's what fifty new comic books coming out. True, at least that, right? Sub at least right, and so 
and that's every week. So a year's worth. There's so many new comics every year, and time obviously keeps going. <laughs> so there's always going to be something interesting to write about. For sure. Let me pick your brain for a second. Um, obviously, the big news out of Marvel lately is the fresh start. Um, what fresh start books are you most looking forward to that have been announced so far? Wow, they've, they've announced some really interesting ones. Uh, most interesting, I mean, you can't go wrong with anything Jason Aaron writes. No, absolutely. So, so him doing the Avengers with McGinnis, that's that's probably, that was their big, that's why they led with it, because that's the... That's the mark. Uh, what other? I, I, I'm looking for. I'm personally looking forward to. I loved Superior Foes of Spider Man. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely looking forward to Spencer on Amazing. Yeah, I'm, it's going to be interesting to see what uh, what what Amazing Spider Man looks like without Dan Slott, just because it's been so long. I know it's so so long, and yet, I mean, I guess luckily Spider Man we we've seen right now Zdarsky's doing an amazing job on Spectacular. So the characters luckily. You know, he adapts very well to different writers. For sure. Or were you surprised that they, they didn't shift Sadarsky over to the main book? and Or was it just kind of like, well, he's already doing his thing on Spectacular. Why ruin the flow? I certainly, I wouldn't have minded if they had done that. But at the same time, it sounds like maybe this was planned for a while, right? Because Slot, didn't Slot mention that he'd been planning 800 as his departure years ago, I think. True, but did he tell anyone? So my guess, I'm sorry, but I guess it's also the question. That he, I mean, planning on and kind of telling everyone is maybe different, but that's a good. Well, that's why he said he said something along the lines of, if I remember correctly, it was something where he posted on maybe it was Instagram. I forget some comment where he's saying this was the mark, so people could say because no one's going to believe me. I know that. So if you go back and look, you'll see on 2014, sometime in 2014, I. <laughs> gave this little note that I was going to be leaving. So if, if that's true, then they likely had Spencer in plan for a while. Hmm. I am excited to see what Spencer has, has in store. I think that's a, a good fit. It's an excellent fit. I mean, Superior Foes is so good, and this is right up that same alley. What do you think about Jeff Lemire relaunching the century? I mean, he's a very good writer, so I'll, I'll definitely read it. I'm not. I loved the original Century miniseries. Mm-hmm. I like. I presume a lot of people think he works a little bit less when you put, place him into the larger Marvel universe. It worked. It worked so well in that miniseries because he wasn't just a guy in the Marvel universe. Yeah. However, he's such a great writer that I'm sure he'll come up with something interesting. I I feel the same way. Like if it was any other writer, I might be like I don't know, but uh, I think I'll follow Lumiere almost anywhere. So um, and plus, I do like the Century, but I'm I'm with you. Like I remember reading it when it first came out um, in singles back in God, how long ago was that? Like almost like 16, like 18 years ago. Yeah. yeah, like that. That actually does not feel like that yeah. long ago, but. I guess it is, but yeah, I remember that first book, and it was amazing, but it was, again, the character was set apart, it wasn't, it was part of the universe, but then it was gone, and that was okay, that was that was by design, and that always kind of worked, and I agree that bringing him in doesn't always work as well, or hasn't always worked as well, but I'm excited to see what Lemire does with it, for sure. So, of the currently well, announced... Well, it's that whole story where it's the idea of that... We- 
it's okay for stories to end sometimes. Yes. Are of the currently announced books, were there any that you were like really surprised? Not necessarily negatively or positively, but just kind of like, huh? Like, how? Where's that coming from? Uh, let's see. What well, uh, I'm trying to say? There's Wade on Strange. That makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scotty Young and Deadpool. That makes that makes perfect sense. I mean, I guess it's a little bit surprising to see Nick Klein on an ongoing. He's a great artist. Is has he? What's the last time he's done an ongoing book? That is a good question. I can't think of one in a while. Huh. So I guess that surprised me a little bit. But yeah. hey, in a good way. He's a very good artist. Oh, I kind of felt that way about. I mean, McGinnis on Avengers. I'm kind of like, well, is it for an arc, and then is it rotating? Like, I'm, I don't know if they because I think they said too, isn't it going to be 18 issues a year or something for Avengers, or maybe I'm remembering something else but i thought that avengers we were going to be getting a lot of it and i was just curious about how how long do we get mcginnis because obviously it's a great one-two punch with him and aaron i'm just curious who's who's the next artist while he has to kind of recharge well i'm sure I, I, hopefully the, i mean yes it, there's no way mcginnis is going to do like 12 issues a year but i when he did hulk with Loeb, he did a decent chunk of that run that's true yeah uh, they had fill-ins. Ian Churchill um, did a big fill-in, but McGinnis did a good chunk of that Jeff Loeb run. That's true. How do you feel about Lionel Francis U on Captain America? I, I was thinking of that just uh, when I was doing the Hulk piece because U shows up a few times in that in that um, article mm-hmm. because he had that indestructible run with That's Wade. Right. Yeah. Well, again, as you say, the... Uh, the quote-unquote run when you did, what, the first three issues or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, looking um, looking at the, uh, the Hulk pieces for that, just, just looking at the pieces for the uh, article made me think, oh, I'm looking forward to this now. Mm-hmm. It's an, it, it, I, I'm interested to see what that'll look like. I'm 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 sad though, just because Wade and Somni were so good, and it's such a short run that uh, that's the only hesitation I have. I'm excited to see what you know what they're going to do with it now. But it just sometimes when you get a team, you're like, oh, this team's so great, don't take them away. Oh, totally. Hey, we we uh, Wade being uh, two short runs on Captain America. It's what we're used to. Yeah. From, uh, <laughs> from Wade and Garney. Was that well? I mean, by by that logic, that we'll get twelve issues of, of this new run, and then Mark Wade will come back, right? <laughs> or I guess thirteen technically, but you know, the, something in the middle, and then Mark Wade will come back and, and do a great job of it. Well, I, I would I would imagine that Coach is probably going to do a slightly better job than Heroes. Uh, not that Heroes uh, Heroes Reborn actually had some interesting parts of that in that run. Oh, for sure. I I, I think Heroes Reborn in general is uh, well. The 90s in general don't always get enough credit for some of the stuff that did happen or some of the ideas that were in there that weren't bad. Uh, I, I hate that the 90s get tarred with this brush that is, I think, a little unfair. I also grew up reading comics in that period because, I mean, I, I got into comics a little bit later uh, compared to a lot of people. Like, I was maybe 13, 14, and I was like kind of prime mid-90s, which is kind of impenetrable to a lot of people, but... I somehow figured out because when you're younger, you just want to understand this larger universe and you just kind of jump in and you, you don't care about what you don't know. You just figure it out as you go along. And so I have this, this soft spot for the 90s that uh, I understand can be a bit of a weird blonde spot. Well, Jim Lee on Fantastic Four, his his Jim his Fantastic Four take is pretty much 
it's what other writers. I it, it, it basically, if Fantastic Four were to launch today, mm-hmm. I think they would have a similar take to what Lee did on his Fantastic Four relaunch. I'd say so. It felt like a pretty good modern up. Like it, it, it can be um, not problematic, but it's interesting to, to do an update on that origin. There's a lot to kind of pack in there or try to figure out how to do. And yeah, I agree that Heroes Reborn, you know, issue one did a good job of just getting getting the action moving and making it stylish. I guess. By the way, also, do you think if you were to reboot Fantastic Four right now, does Doctor Doom have to be part of the origin in your mind? No, not at all. I think it's better when he's not. Because it seems most people go to him being tied in, right? I I, I feel like in general that just makes the universe too, feel too small. And I, I don't know. I, I like that he's out there. I just don't think he has to be first. Like, I think Heroes Reborn actually did that right where... Because he... Well, I guess he was kind of involved, but he wasn't, like, the primary antagonist. And, like, the first villain they fought was, like, the Mole Man. And then you right. had... And then you had yeah. Atlantis. Like, he had all this stuff before they actually fought Doom. He was still right. kind of a, around. The specter of Doom was there. And I guess he was still kind of connected. But he wasn't outright fighting them. And I think that made a big difference. And then by the time he got there, it felt more like, he, here we go. Here's Doctor Doom. And that's, I feel like, the way it should be. I feel like we don't always need him to be there right at the beginning. I agree. I agree. But since then, every other reboot has done that, right? I know. I get it. Well, actually, the the Ultimate Fantastic Four they did something different though, didn't they? I thought Doom. I, mean, he, I, I thought Doom was there at the beginning, wasn't he? Uh, well, Von Doom. I mean, yeah, he Von was Doom. different. He, I mean, he was. I can't Von remember Doom. at all. I, 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 you know what? I, I have no idea. I've, it hasn't been that long since that came out either, right? That's like what twelve years ago, thirteen years ago. I couldn't tell you what what happened at all in that Ultimate Fantastic Four, <laughs> except for the Marvels. Well, the Fantastic, Ultimate Fantastic Four was basically. It's very similar to the movie. The movie came pretty close. The most recent one. Okay, and I actually never saw that. I not on purpose. I just kind of it just kind of came, went. Everyone said bad things, and I just haven't made the effort to to watch it yet. Oh, I, I didn't watch it on purpose, but <laughs> <laughs> but I knew the plot. Fair enough. But I knew the plot of the movie was basically Ultimate Fantastic Four. It did look like that from every trailer. Again, I didn't actually it's interesting i usually am so into all this stuff and it's the only one where i just kind of just kind of somehow passed me by i don't know what happened there i don't think i missed anything too integral though yeah so there you go yeah van damme, yeah van damme is the guy so they're doing teleportation oh and I think you're right okay. and van damme screws with the he messes around with the teleportation coordinates and that's what gives them their powers so here's the thing so i'm almost okay with something like that where he's not He's not really doomed yet. Like, like he's like he's he's kind of a dick, and he's the reason they get something. But he's not necessarily like a villain per se. Like, because they didn't really fight him until a little later on. So, I, sure. so I feel like something like that I'm more okay with. Where like he can be involved, but he's not doom doomed. Does that make sense at all? No, I, I get that. It's just that it seems that everyone wants Doom to be involved in the origin. And I'm not saying that's maybe they're all right. Everyone does it, so maybe they're onto something. Yeah, it it just it feels limiting too. Like it feels like, like yeah, the, if he's just involved with their origin, I feel like it kind of limits where where Doom can go in some ways. I mean, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like he. There should be a bigger world, and he becomes part of their world, but doesn't need to be there from the beginning. It is interesting that every relaunch seems to not want to do that at all. <laughs> 
I mean, Mole Man's supposed to be first. I get the Come whole on. consolidation. You know, everyone wants to consolidate things for the narrative. I get it. I mean, it it makes sense to a certain extent. Yeah, I mean, I mean, consolidation of narratives. That's what uh, what uh, Spider Man Chapter One was all like. That because you had you know Do- uh, Doc Octavius getting his his uh, his arms fused at the same event that creates Spider Man, but now it's an explosion instead of just a little spider. I mean, and was... Sandman is and Sandman is Norman Osborn's cousin because they have the similar hair. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just that's that's too far. Um, one so one last thought about uh, Fresh Start. Um, would it's interesting that they're already kind of positioning a bunch of the books as um, miniseries. Um, what do you think about Quicksilver actually getting a new miniseries? It's been a while. Yeah, I like the, I like the idea. I like miniseries. I, I, I like the rather than saying it's a ongoing series starring Quicksilver that just gets wink wink nudge nudge canceled after five issues. <laughs> yeah, I think it's cooler to let them tell their story. And hey, if it works, it works. I remember when Madrox got his miniseries, and that was a time when obviously you always say if this works. Then we'll give it a maybe it'll get an ongoing series and it never happens. <laughs> but Madrox did and he did get the series and it lasted for years. Oh yeah, it lasted forever. Like it, that actually went on a long time. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, too, surprisingly a long time. Like it's interesting because in my mind, like again, because time plays tricks on us, it doesn't always feel like it was around that long. But because I kind of think of the government X Factor as having been around a long time, but nowhere near as long as X Factor Investigations, like. That was around a little... No, right? Yeah. Like, there's, like, 20 trades. Like, even if there's only six issues per trade, that's, like, 120 issues. Like, that's that's a lot. Well, Government X-Files... Government, sorry, X-Files. <laughs> government <laughs> X-Factor had eight had 80 issues. So how many did the investigations have? More than 80, right? Much more. I, I think it's at least 100 to 120. Because it went, it went the first 50, and then they changed the numbering, right? Yes. Something like that? Something like that, yeah. And then... And then there's at least 35 issues after the change to numbering. So, yeah, it has to be at least 100. Yeah, you're right. Wow. But it, it's interesting because, yeah, it doesn't necessarily feel like it lasted that long, but it did. Because, yeah, it went renumbered to 200, and I think it went on to, like, 260. Was it really that low? Well, yeah, then there you go. Wow, yeah, that was it lasted a long time. Actually, I have my, my trades on my bookshelf, and it ended with issue, yeah, 262. So that's, what, 112, wow. is, 112 issues? Like, that's a long time for... Like, off a miniseries that probably no one expected much from. Exactly. So, hey, so maybe Quicksilver will have a... It can in happen. Fact, now, in fact, now I believe that's, that is the only the logical thing that will happen now. Quicksilver <laughs> will have a 112-issue ongoing series out of this miniseries. That would... Uh, that Anything would... less than that, and I will be very disappointed. <laughs> that, would be, uh, that would be so incredible and awesome that <laughs> if that ever happened. Uh, it could, you know, and you 109, know, I will be disappointed. It's just 112. <laughs> that that is the mark to beat. Well, Brian, thank you so much for for joining me today and uh, for chatting about both your your own writing and also for talking a little bit about Fresh Start. And uh, yeah, maybe we can have you on again sometime. To once your books actually come out, it would be nice to actually talk to you about it at some point as well. Sure. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us. No problem. Thanks for having me.